It's great to be here with you, whether you're here on our Canandaigua campus, online campus, or Hopewell campus. It is great to be able to come and to be able to celebrate the Lord together, to be able to encourage one another, to be able to pray together, and to be able to explore God's Word. Uh, we are in this series we're calling Kingdom Living Volume 1. In fact, this morning we continue the series and conclude the first part of the series, Kingdom Living Volume 1. Um, after the Christmas series in the winter, we are going to be looking at the second part of the series, which we have creatively called Kingdom Living Volume 2. Yeah, you guys got it. We thought three, but that just wouldn't make sense. And we'll be finishing out the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, but we are in uh, Matthew 6 together this morning. The Sermon on the Mount covers uh, Matthew's five, chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Of course, Jesus in his sermon is really uh, describing for us the Christian ethic. He's talking about what does it mean to be a follower of his and how, how do they behave? But it's important to recognize that the Christian life must be understood as more than actions and words. The Christian life must be understood as more than actions and words. Our walk with the Lord needs to penetrate our hearts where our minds and motives are brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and so it's not just about what we do. What we do should come out of who we are in Jesus. And over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus emphasizes this. As we conclude Kingdom Living Volume 1, we're going to look at Christ's teaching on genuine Christianity. He speaks against hypocrisy and for this authentic faith. In Christ's sermon, he warns us to avoid self-promoting faith and challenges us to live out of a God-honoring dedication. And he begins with a warning. Matthew 6, 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have your reward from your Father who is in heaven. And in Matthew 6, 1, he really lays out what he's going to say over and over again as he gives us three examples out of spiritual disciplines of how we're to practice righteousness. Now, believers are not to perform spiritual disciplines or exercises to be seen by others, but because we love God, and it's our practical righteousness he's talking about here. Now, if you remember over the past four weeks, we've looked at this topic of righteousness. And what's it mean to be righteous? It means to be right with God. And so in the very beginning, Christ made it very clear that we're righteous because of the work of Christ, that we don't earn it, that Jesus paid the price for our sin. The wage of sin is death. And Jesus died on the cross in our stead. We couldn't pay for it because we're not perfect. Only he is perfect. Only he's truly righteous. But something amazing happens. That as we receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the scripture says that we are covered in his righteousness. In fact, if you remember over and over again, I said one of my favorite images that the scripture gives us is we're actually clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're wearing those righteous clothes. And so when God looks at us, he sees us as righteous. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I don't know what type of morning you had, but maybe you didn't feel so righteous. But if you're in Christ, when he sees you, he sees you as righteous. And so what Christ unpacks for us then after that is to say that the journey we're on is to learn how to become more and more who we already are in him. To live rightly, to have this Christian ethic. And the good news is, just like we couldn't earn righteousness, it's a gift given to us in our salvation with Jesus Christ, we don't do good things to earn anything either. Like we don't do them because we're fearful that God's going to smite us. 
And, and we don't do them because we believe if we do them that we're going to receive this, that, or the other. No, no, no. We do it simply out of love. And, and you've heard me say this almost every week I preach because it's so important we understand. I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. God's working in my life, making me more like Jesus. We call that sanctification. More like Jesus. How? In character and love and purpose and priorities. And Christ says, look, so when you're doing good things, don't do them so other people can see you. Do them out of love for God. Now, I want to be honest with you. I like to be liked. How many of you like to be liked? I've actually never met a person who said, you know what? I just don't like being liked. Uh, we all like to be liked, but I live for an audience of one. I, I got to remind myself of that. I mean, not that I don't appreciate it when people encourage me. Everyone likes encouragement, right? Not that I, that I, I don't appreciate when I'm recognized or I notice that, you know, I'm part of, a, of, of my family, my church family. We all want to be noticed. But, but all I need is God's acceptance, and I'm accepted in Jesus Christ. And all I need is the applause of one, my Lord. And I remind myself of that because I don't want to do things to get the applause of everyone else. I want to do them to get his applause, to, to do it because I love him. Jesus will walk through three spiritual practices. That's what we're going to do this morning. He's going to walk us through three spiritual practices that the, that the Jewish community saw as extremely important in their walk with God. That's giving, prayer, and fasting. And Jesus, Jesus wants us to understand that, that these spiritual practices are important but they're not to be done so that other people applaud us. And and he starts with giving. Look with me at Matthew 6, 2 through 4. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus obviously expects that his followers are going to be generous givers. Why? Because he's a generous giver. And as we become more and more like Christ and become more and more like him in all things, we're going to become more and more generous in our giving. But Jesus teaches that generosity is not enough, that it's the motive of our heart that the Lord looks at. Why are we giving? Jesus begins by sharing the wrong way to give. It's wrong to give to be honored by people, but if you do, all you're going to receive is the honor of people. And that's something that he's going to say over and over again in this section, that if you're doing it to get the applause of people and they applaud you, then all you get is their applause. That's a pretty lousy uh, reward when you think about what God offers. And so he just reminds us of this. And it's interesting, he uses the word hypocrite. Now, where does that term hypocrite come from? It comes from the Greek theater. In Greek theaters in, in the day of Christ, in the, in the day of the New Testament, uh, they would have many characters play many parts. In fact, some of the Greek uh, tragedies were performed by one individual who played all the parts. So what differentiated one character from another was their dress. They may change their voice, but more importantly, the mask they spoke through. In fact, the original word hypocrite, where we get our word hypocrite from, comes from a, a word in the Greek that means speaking through the mask. And, and so it's this image of, of, of different characters putting different masks on. And, and so what we find in the New Testament, in the Bible, that this word hypocrite really uh, comes to speak of those who are 
given this pretense of having a virtuous character or moral or spiritual beliefs or principles on and on and on, but they don't really possess them. It's, it's, presenting, it's presenting who they're not. They're wearing masks. And this is what Jesus warns us again. He says, don't wear a mask. Be the real you. I get frustrated sometimes when I hear preachers or religious leaders only share their victories. You know, all they do is ever share their victories. And, and you think, they, they, I'm, I wait for them to walk on water because there, there's no ups and downs in their life. There's no challenges. They haven't had to overcome a failure. And, and you know what the reality of it is? All of us have to do that. The one thing, we're, we're all on equal ground before the cross. We're all on equal ground on our journey that our journey looks like this. And it's not that we want to sort of uh, find victory in our failures, but to realize that, that to show our true self is the greatest gift we can give to the world around us because it's when people realize that we're just human beings touched by the hand of God, but it's the hand of God that takes this mess that I am and makes it sacred. Now, by the way, before you point a finger, it's, it's the hand of God that makes the mess that you are sacred and the person next to you all around, right? Are we on the same page there? You heard me say this, right? If you, if you don't think you're messy, you're the messiest of them all. We're messy, but God works in us and he does this work. And so Christ says, don't be a hypocrite. In particular, he gives us this image of, of this, of, of, of sounding these like trumpets and music and everything before we give. And we think that sounds so ridiculous, but that's exactly what was happening. Can you believe that? In Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular, they, they would go and when they gave, they would hire music troops. And before they gave, it'd be like, dur, 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 you know, and then they would put the money in. Can you believe that? It'd be like, can you imagine if someone in here hired a music troupe and before they gave money in the black box, you know, and everyone would be looking, they go, look at me, look what I'm doing, you know? And Jesus like turns it on his head. And he said, well, you know, if, if what you wanted was to be noticed, that's your reward. That's what you got. That's all you want out of life. You got what you're shooting for. In a very real sense, you know, what, what Jesus is saying to us today is don't sound your own horn. <laughs> Give for the right reason. The question's not as much what your hand is doing, giving out, of, out money, but what your heart is thinking while you're doing it. And Jesus warns that giving for recognition from others is a false spiritual act. It, which gets its own recognition as its only reward. Jesus tells us the right way to give. He says, we're to give in secret. When we give properly, our Father will reward us. Contrary to the way of the hypocrites, those who give out of a sincere heart, those who give privately, the resources of heaven are released in those individuals' lives. Now, how many of you think the applause of people are the resource of heaven? Which would you really want? I've had people over the years, now I've been a pastor for 30 years, I've only had a few, I have to admit, only a few, but I've had people come up to me and want things done in the church. And every once in a while, and I mean, only once in a while have I ever had anyone have the audacity, but there's been a few times where they've said, do you know how much I give to this church? Now, by the way, just so if you ever want to know how to work me, that's not how to do it. Like once someone said that, I mean, hell or high water, I wouldn't do it, even if it was a good idea. Like I'm a stubborn person when it comes to those things. Anyone out there like that, wired that way? But I thought, well, thanks for telling me, because now your rewards are all gone. You know what I mean? Now I know. Everyone, wow, woo, woo, you're special. Special. <laughs> Take it the way you want it. 
God, God has something more in store for us in our giving. It's trust, it's lordship, it's, 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 it's love. And when we make it something else, it's, it's far less than God ever intended. As believers, our, our giving is not for the applause of others or even ourselves, but for God's glory flowing out of a heart that just loves him and wants to be on mission for him. And Jesus says, that's our goal. That's what we're shooting for. He goes on to praying. Look at Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not pray like the hypocrites, for they love the sound, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, and, and that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, by the way, there's a whole lot packed into that passage. First of all, this idea of, of God being secret and seeing what you do in secret doesn't mean that God is only in the quiet place. He's just simply stating the fact that he's there, <laughs> that there was this misconception that for some reason God was just where the populace were. And that what you do in secret doesn't matter. When you say, no, no, God is there as he is everywhere. Some people misinterpret when Jesus will say in his teaching, he says, where two or more gathered, I'm in their midst, as if you need two or more. And yet in context, context is what? Do you remember? King. Context is king. In context, Jesus is talking about people who are agreeing together. Because where two or more people agree, that's a miracle of God. <laughs> and he says, where two or more gather together and agree, I'm there in a special way because of their agreement in my name. But he's in no way saying that he's not as present in our quiet time with him. In fact, I believe that, that he, he, he cherishes that quiet time that we have with him. See, behind the piety of, of, of these religious leaders was their pride. Behind their piety was their pride. And, and they would literally go to street corners, and they would have people around them when they got ready to pray, say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, they're praying, they're praying. To cause, oh man, we all better be quiet. Stop walking. They're praying. By the way, as if God can't hear them if you're walking by. Have you ever been in a large group and you're talking with somebody and you're like sort of in the corner talking and you're getting ready to eat and someone goes, wait a minute, we're praying for the food. And you're sort of made to feel like ridiculous that you were talking and didn't know they were ready to pray. My first thought is pray. God can hear you. Okay, maybe you're not like that. I am. I'm like, whatever, go for it. I can even pray for my food by myself if I need to. It's okay. It's all right. Lord, Lord, Lord will work. But, but my point is, man, we, we, can you imagine? Can you imagine going to downtown Canada and before you prayed, right, for your meal, you stood up in the restaurant and said, hey, everybody, stop your conversation. Getting ready to pray for my food. I'd say, sit down and pray for your food. Let me eat. Get out of here. I mean, what's going on? The Pharisees were doing that. You go, Craig, this is ridiculous. No, the Pharisees were doing this. And the people were watching them, and they were conflicted because the people were like, well, these are supposed to be holy people, so maybe they are holy. But, man, we know they don't seem to be holy. They're doing holy things, but not very loving. They're hypocrites. Dare I say, one of the great troubling realities of the church are people who think that we're hypocrites. We're not hypocrites. We're on a journey. So if you're going to claim to be perfect, you better be. If you're going to draw attention to your goodness, you better be really, really good. Come on now. 
Otherwise, let God be God. And do what you're doing out of a heart of love is what Jesus is saying. Jesus presents the wrong way to pray. He says, don't pray so other people see. And he says, don't pray so that you just, they see you and they go, wow, what a great person, because that'll be your only reward. He says, also, don't pray with meaningless repetition. Now, by the way, he's not saying don't recite a prayer. In fact, when we start Kingdom Living Volume 2, we're going to start with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is asked by the disciples, how should we pray? And he gives them this, this prayer, and, and we could call it the disciples' prayer, actually, because he gives it to the disciples, but it's the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and we pray it. We recite that prayer. It's powerful to recite that prayer. There's nothing wrong with writing out prayers. I've heard people say, you shouldn't write out prayers. Let's let the Spirit lead you when you pray. Nothing wrong with letting the Spirit lead you when you pray, but the Lord, Lord God can also be ahead of the time planning out a prayer if you write it. There's nothing wrong with that. I've heard people say, you should never plan a service. Let the Spirit lead the service. I've been in services like that. They're horrible. It's okay to plan, you know? And so he's not talking about that. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Gentiles really believed that when they prayed to their gods, that they could wear their gods down. Have you ever had a little kid try to do that with you? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? You know, in reality, if you've learned anything about my personality, they don't ever get it if they're asking like that with me, unless it's my grandkids and they get anything they want. The first time they ask, can I have it? I'm like, sure, sure you can have it, honey. But if it's one of my kids, and they were like, can I have it? Can I have it? It's like, you know, it ain't going to happen. And they thought, they'd go, and Jesus is like, look, that's not who God is. You don't have to wear him down. In fact, he says, he already knows what you need before you pray. You don't have to wear him down. He knows your needs. He just wants you to ask. I've had people say, well, if God already knows, why pray? Why does he want us to pray? Because he loves us. He wants, he wants us to ask. How many of us as parents know what our kids want? We just want them to ask. We cherish that time with them, that time of communion. It's, it's amazing to me. I think the God of the universe, my, my heavenly father, wants that time with me. And he cherishes that time with me one-on-one -on -one with him. I, I love it when my family all gets together. I do. But I cherish it when I have those moments with just one of them. Like just one of my kids. When I'm just alone with Krista. This weekend, I've had my granddaughter all weekend. Krista's running the New York Marathon today. Yeah, she's crazy. And, and she's, she's doing that. And my daughter went with her, and my son-in-law has some things going. So I've had my, I have cherished that. I cherish that. God cherishes time we have with him. So he wants us to come and pray and spend that time and before we start off our day. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 27, 8. It's God speaking to us. It says, you have said, God has said, seek my face. And the psalmist says, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Isn't that beautiful? God says, seek my face. And the psalmist says, my heart says, cries out, Lord, your face I seek. I think it brings the applause of heaven when we take time and spend that intimate time with the Lord in prayer. Jesus isn't speaking against public prayer. He's speaking for private prayer. He's speaking through a heart of prayer. Because if, if, if all praying was to be kept in secret, we couldn't do this. This would be wrong. And of course, it's not. We're to pray making simple, direct petitions to God. And so it's interesting. Jesus says we must give out of a genuine God, love for God, and we must pray out of a genuine love for him and others. Love, over and over again, this pure love of learning God's love and having to saturate our life and be the motive of why we do the things that we do. Then he moves on to fasting, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and, and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, first of all, let's define fasting. What is fasting? Well, in, in the strictly speaking, fasting is the abstention of food. You, you stop eating for a period of time. Now, it, it can mean spiritually, but it, it could also mean that to maybe a portion of food or, or, or to maybe have a type of food that you take out of your diet for a while. Um, it, the term actually is used in our, how we entitle our first meal of the day, breakfast. It, it's break fast. It's to break the fast of not eating during the night. Now, people fast other things. Maybe it's not just food. Now, fasting, you could fast social media. Matter of fact, we should all fast social media on a regular basis. Uh, fast the news. You could fast other things as well. But the purpose, really, in this idea of fasting in which Christ is talking about is really self-denial and self-discipline. That the purpose of fasting is to maybe put aside a meal so that we would take that time to either for penitence, to seek special prayer, maybe God's wisdom, self-discipline. Uh, some people do that, a meal a week. They'll just take that time that they would have spent eating and they'll invest it praying for something in particular. I remember the first time I fasted uh, was in high school. Now, as many of you know, my spiritual journey, I did have mentors, but on the disciplines and stuff, it, it took a while for those mentors to, to, to get to what I didn't know, which was a whole lot. That's why with the first book I ever read in the Bible, most of you know, is Job. No one told me not to start there, and you shouldn't start there. If you want to know where to start, start in the gospel. Mark's a great one to start in. Job is not. But if you start in Job and keep with it, you can read any book. Trust me, all the rest are easy after Job. Well, when I fasted, I didn't know that you should ease yourself in the fasting, so I fasted for the first time for a week. I was praying that God would give me direction about what college to go through. It was, it was my probably late junior year, maybe, maybe first part of senior year, I can't remember. But, uh, but I, I did, and, and, and so I, I made it the whole week, and, and I did get direction, but then later I told someone, a mentor, yes, if I'd ever fast, I sure I had, that I started with that week, and he said, you should not have done that, you should never do that. And then I, I thought to myself, I'm glad I didn't really put together a Jesus fasted for 40 days. Can you imagine if I had ignorantly had started that? I like food too much. You was, I would have found it very quick how undisciplined I am, I'm sure. But, but, but you, get, you get, fast wisely. Some of you, for health reasons, you should talk to your doctor about fasting. I mean, I, I, I don't want you to do this. Don't just go out there and do a week. If you haven't done anything, start with a meal. But, but the point here Jesus is getting at is, is, is don't let everyone know that you're fasting. And again, what did the Pharisees do? When they got ready to give, they hired a troop of musicians to play the horns and stuff before they gave. Before they prayed, they had a group of people crying out, be quiet, they're getting ready to pray. Well, guess what? When they fasted, they would wear old raggedy clothes. They wouldn't wash their faces. They would look horrible. So that people go, are you okay? No, I'm great. I'm just fasting. And Jesus is saying, for goodness sake, get a bath. Wash yourself up. Don't let anyone know you're fasting. This is between you and God. Over and over again is what he's talking about. These things are between you and God. Do them for the right reason. Do them for the right way. Because if you're just doing it for the applause of people, that's your reward. But if you're doing it for the Lord, the resources of heaven are poured into your life. Think about that. The purpose, the purpose of fasting is not to advertise ourselves, but to discipline ourselves. As with prayer, so with fasting, it's done not to gain people's attention, but godly rewards. And not to earn anything, just because we love God, and the rewards are just sort of the natural outpouring of discipline. We give ourselves to him, and he works 
in and through our life. He does an amazing thing. So the right way to fast is to, is to fast in secret. Now, by the way, let me say a word on that. That doesn't mean you don't tell anyone. When I fasted for that first time in high school, I had to tell my mom or she would wonder why her son who eats all the time wasn't eating for a week. If you're married, for instance, and you may want to tell, like let's say your spouse is cooking something and you're going to fast during that meal, you should probably tell them before they make that meal or, or you're going to get no rewards except for I told you so, right? Uh, you're going to have to let them know those things. So it's, it's not that. It would just be if I said, I'm going to fast this week, so everybody, you know, just remember that. You know, as you're eating all that good food, remember I'm not eating any because I'm so spiritual. And God says, well, Craig, thanks for telling everybody. That's your reward. They know. That's all you're getting. Well, I'm praying for wisdom, not getting wisdom, because you're totally not being wise. You can't expect the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing and get the right outcome. Come on, church. And we do that all the time, don't we? We do the wrong thing, expect the right outcome. And God's like, that's not going to work in the spiritual disciplines especially. If you do, the wrong, do it the wrong way, you're not going to get the right outcome. That Jesus commanded privacy, not publicity in our practices. It doesn't mean we're not to be an example to others. It just means that our heart needs to be in the right place. It doesn't mean we don't mentor people. We do. We should mentor people. But our heart needs to be in the right place. If we're doing it to be recognized, we're doing it for the wrong reason. If we're doing it to glorify God, then not only will he be glorified, we'll be blessed, and others will benefit. Jesus warns against hypocrisy, but he promotes this genuine faith. And in fact, there's really only one major overarching point of, of all that Jesus is teaching here, and that's this. Self-promoting faith is without any real reward while living out of God-honoring dedication releases the resources of heaven in a genuine believer's life. Let me say that again. Self-promoting faith is without any real reward, while living out of God-honoring dedication releases the resources of heaven in a genuine believer's life. Jesus is contrasting sort of this Pharisaic, this, this hypocr hypocrisy with this, with this genuine love for God faith. And he's saying, listen, Christ, Christ is saying that this, this hypocrisy is, is insincere faith, but genuine faith is seeking God. And, and after all, think about it, to pray is to seek God's face, to give is to serve others, to fast is to discipline oneself. And our Lord calls us to, to be so conscious of him that we're not self-conscious. That's what he's calling us to, 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 to really live for an audience of one. Several years ago, I had the privilege of meeting a lady by the name of Gloria Swan. Gloria Swan uh, had been a part of the church where I pastored in Wisconsin. And, and two years before I got there, which would have been about 18 years ago now, she was told that she had six months to live. She had this rare lung condition. And, and by the way, she passed away two weeks ago. So they gave her six months to live. She lived 18 years. In fact, I, I would have her say to me many times that in those early days, friends and family would come and, and give their sort of their condolences, their last words to her. And then she would look at me and say, now some of them are dead and she's still living. Gloria refused to die until she died. I mean, she, she lived every day to the fullest for Christ. And, and it, it wasn't easy for her because of her lung capacity, because she was really successful, uh, really uh, could pick up sickness really easily, because I couldn't say the other word, pick up sickness really easily. She, 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 she wore a mask before wearing a mask was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like she, when she went out, she had a mask on. 
and we would have we would have sightings of her in church. Every once in a while, she'd feel well enough to come to church, and it was it was a special time when Gloria showed up at church. Physically, she was one of the frailest people I've ever been around. Spiritually, she could move mountains. She was so humble. She didn't have much. Her and her husband, he was a vice chair of the board for years. They didn't have much. When I got to, like I said, the church was five years old. To start the church, they took what they had in their savings and put it into the church account. That's how that church started. They didn't have much. So that church didn't start with much. But they did it. They never told me they did it. Someone else told me they did it. You say, you won't believe how this church started. She was a prayer warrior. She would call me. I'd say to Brad, how's Gloria doing? He'd say, you know, she's having a tough week. And she would call me because she'd want prayer requests. Because she felt like if I'm at home, I, I can pray. And she prayed a ton. And she would call, and i said, Gloria, how are you doing? And she said, I'm doing great. And I said, well, Brad said you're not doing so well. And she goes, oh, why would he tell you that? She goes, I'm able to talk to you, aren't I? She was a tough Norwegian woman, really. And, 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 I, and she goes, what can I be praying for this week? And I give him prayer requests. People knew she was a prayer where they would call her and say, Gloria, would you pray? Not because your prayers don't matter, my prayers, but because they knew she spent so much time in prayer. And she was just a prayer warrior. And, and two weeks ago when I found she passed, I thought, my goodness, a bright light on this world has just left us. And yet I know for a fact, when she went to heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. Like most people didn't know Gloria in the church, especially as the years went on, because she wasn't there often. But what God had done through that church, in part, was because of her prayers and her sacrifice. Jesus one time is looking at uh, Pharisees who are given money, and they're given a lot, and then this lady comes up, and she gives very little. And Jesus is watching with a crew of people, which I don't totally understand. It seems a little freaky to me. Be like us putting spectator seats around the black boxes out there, right? And, and, and he says, who gave more? And, of course, the mathematical thing would be with a person who gave a ton of money. He says, no, that person who gave little because they gave out of their little. a sacrifice with a heart of love for God. And Jesus says, listen, the meek will inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. Gloria, frail physically, spiritually can move mountains. Because what? God is in her. Listen to me this morning. If you leave with anything else at the end of Kingdom Living Volume 1, God wants your heart. And if God has your heart, he'll take you places you never dreamt you could go. In trusting him and being used by him, it'll impact your relationships in ways you, you, you can never dream would impact the relationships around you. When we give ourselves to God, God's glorified, we're blessed, and others are benefited. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, I just want to encourage you, give your heart to Jesus. Like if you haven't received him as Lord and Savior, start there. But let's be honest, church. Even when we receive him as Lord and Savior, giving our heart to him is a daily thing. Sometimes multitude of times during a day. Been there? And that's okay as long as we're honest with it. It's okay as long as we're honest with it. So wherever we find ourselves, not out of fear, not out of wanting to earn anything. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, won't we just, with the love of God, say, God, take us whatever that next step is further with you. Just take us that next step further with you. Help us not be like the Pharisees. We don't want to be hypocrites. We just want to be lovers of God and others. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us so profoundly for not just saying it, but showing it on the cross and not just leaving us to sort of figure this all out on our own, but giving us your word and the spirit of God to lead us and direct us as we 
desire, Lord, to be your followers. To not just put on masks and so we look great all the time, but, but to truly be your followers. To show the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to give you the glory for what you do and giving us victories and picking us up when we fail and allowing us, Lord God, to be clothed in, in Christ's righteousness. And the things that we do, we don't do to earn anything. We, we already have everything we need in Jesus, but we do it because we love you. We love others. God, I pray if there's anyone here now, whether it be on this Canandaigua campus, online, hope well. Lord, is yet to receive you as Lord and Savior. Why not right now? In the quietness of our heart, Lord, there's power in that prayer of saying, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life to receive that invitation, to, to be a part of that relationship that we've been created to have with God is, is, is what life is all about. It's where life even comes from. We don't have true life without Jesus. And God, I pray wherever we find ourselves that, that we would understand that the, really the first step, Lord God, in, in, in the healing of any relationship, any marriage, any anything, Lord God, begins with but being made right with you and allowing your power to work through us. Help us be a place, Lord God, as crosswinds where people can come and Lord, well, we, we show the good, the bad, and the ugly. We, we're, we're just true about who we are in you. Think of one of my spiritual heroes, King David in scripture. And I don't learn much from him about how to be a good husband or a good father. He, he seems to be to have been not, neither of them. But what I learned from him is, is his heart for you. He says he was a man after your own heart. Why? Because no matter what he did, when he failed, he came to you. He, he trusted in you. He believed in you. And Lord God, would you just give us that deep belief in you that will penetrate through all the things of this world and be a light to those around us that will draw people unto yourself. God, thank you for allowing us to meet here this morning as you blessed this gathering. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless us as we scatter throughout this region, that others too would know the hope we have in you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.